Amen. Let's take our Bibles this evening and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. I want to look at a passage that was personal to the Apostle Paul. And uh, Paul, of course, uh, was what we would call a missionary. And he traveled around preaching the gospel and did missionary work. And as he did that, he faced many obstacles in his ministry. And, uh, uh, but he recognized it was a great privilege to serve the Lord. And so he, he depended on God's help to do God's work. You know, each one of us is called by God to do something for him. And it may not be the same as what the Apostle Paul did or what somebody else does, but we can all do something for God. And as we do something for God, we need to trust in God's mercy and his help to do God's work. That's what we find here in this passage. Let's start reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Let's begin with a word of prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word now, I pray that you would use it to challenge us and help us to understand that we can all do something for you and help us to understand also that you enable us and give us your mercy to help us do your work. And uh, we pray you bless us and encourage us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. First thing we see in this passage is that we must recognize our ministry. Recognize our ministry. Notice in verse number one, it says, we have this ministry. Now, as Paul is writing this, of course, he had a ministry as an apostle, a church planter. But God has given to every Christian a responsibility to serve him. Every one of us has something we can do to serve. The word ministry means to serve, to serve God, to serve others. And God has a purpose. God has a ministry of some kind for every Christian. God has given each one of us unique abilities that we can use to serve the Lord or serve others. Some people may be gifted to teach or preach. Others are gifted to work with their hands and build things. Uh, some people are gifted musically. Others are gifted to uh, relate really well with people or, or organize things or, or have a special ministry of prayer. Whatever it may be, the point is that every Christian can do something to serve the Lord. Amen. And none of those things is more important or less important than the other. All of those things, when we do it for Christ, those things are ministry. Ministry is not just what the pastor does or a Christian school teacher or a nursery worker or missionary does, but anything you do to serve the Lord is an opportunity for ministry. Jesus said uh, something about giving a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ and something so simple as giving, giving someone some water when they need it is a ministry. It's serving. And each one of us needs to use the time, the abilities, the resources that, we, that God has given to us and use those things to glorify him and to serve others. The ministry that we have, whatever it may be for you, it began when we trusted Christ. But we can continue in that ministry for a lifetime because God gives us 
his mercy. Notice again, verse number one. Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We don't give up. We don't give in because God's mercy helps us to do God's ministry. You know, the ministry that God gives us, it comes with a divine enabling. That's the mercy of God, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the encouragement of God's people. And we don't have to faint. Ministering and serving God should not be viewed as a burden, although it is difficult at times, but we should view it as a privilege, a responsibility. We get to serve the King of Kings. We get to serve the Lord of Lords. We get to point other people to Jesus Christ. We get to serve. It's, and we need to have a positive attitude towards serving God. It's a privilege. Each one of us needs to consider the question, how can I use my abilities to serve the Lord? How can I use my time to serve the Lord? How can I use my resources to serve the Lord? How can I use my life itself to serve God or serve others? You know, we need to find that purpose and depend on God's mercy and his grace as we serve him. If we're going to be involved in doing something for God, we must, first of all, recognize our ministry because we can all have a ministry of some kind. The second thing we see in this passage is that we must reveal our message. Reveal our message. We know that we should serve the Lord. So how can we do that? There are many different ways we can serve God. But in this text, we find perhaps the most important thing to do as we serve God, and that is to reveal the message of the gospel. We must take the word of God and hold it up in front of a lost and dying world. Uh, In verse number two, we find a couple of ways we can reveal the message. It's through telling people about the gospel, but it's also by living out the gospel. Notice verse two, it says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, it's saying that we should not take the scriptures and twist it to make it say whatever we want to say. And the implication is that we need to be careful to speak the gospel truthfully, communicate the word of God, the love of God to the lost. Now, we reveal our message of the gospel by how we speak, by how we interact with other people. There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about Um, giving the gospel to people. And we reveal the truth of the gospel to a lost world and people by what we say. But we also do that with our actions, by how we live. Notice the end of verse number two says, but by manifestation or showing of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Does our life show the truth to others? Does it? The way that we live our life is a demonstration either of the truth of the gospel or it's a demonstration of something else. Um, Paul's testimony of living for God was such that his life matched the Bible. Acts chapter 26, Paul said this, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. In other words, he worked at having a good testimony. He, he focused on that, and he was careful about how he lived. You know, our testimony of Christian living either reveals the message of the gospel to others, or it pushes people away from Christ. We need to be conscious of our testimony. Uh, we must not only speak the truth, 
but we need to also live out the truth in our daily lives. If there's no difference between the way that we live and the way that an unsaved person lives, an unsaved person will see no reason why they should listen when we try to give them the gospel, if there's nothing different about us. What we say we believe will not matter to them if we are living inconsistently with God's word. You know, it's a sad fact, but it seems like sometimes unsaved people know more about how a Christian's supposed to live than the way that some Christians live. And it, sh- it should not be that way. We have a great challenge in this verse to speak the truth, but also to live according to the word of God in our daily life. Both those things are necessary if we're going to reveal the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. You've probably heard the saying, your life might be the only Bible an unsaved person will ever read. Well, your words might be the only witness for Christ they will ever hear. Your life might be the only testimony and example of Jesus Christ they will ever see. People can come to Christ based on our testimony, or they can be pushed away based on a lack of testimony. Our life every day can make a difference one way or the other. We need to recognize our ministry, reveal the message. In the next couple of verses, we find out why we need to reveal the message of the gospel. And if we, it's, it's because if we do nothing, the gospel is hidden from those who need it the most. Notice verse number three. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, we have the best news in the world. Amen. Jesus saves. But if we do nothing with that good news, the Bible says it's hidden from the lost. People who don't know Christ are not going to hear about God's love by watching a sports game on TV, by watching the news. Uh, they need to hear it from someone whose life has been transformed by the power of the gospel. Amen. That's you. That's me. That's Christians all around the world. Verse number four says, uh, in whom, in lost people, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. The devil has great influence over the hearts and minds of lost people. He blinds them, it says, distracts them from the truth. He tries to keep people in the dark. And the verse says he does this, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Satan does not want people to see the light. You know, Jesus is the light of the world, but Satan does everything he can to prevent people from seeing Jesus Christ. He could use a person who mocks God, distract someone else from the gospel. He could use skeptical thinking to blind their mind to the truth. He could use an addiction to deaden their senses. And in Newfoundland, where we are, there's huge problems with that. Satan could use prosperity to make a person think, I don't need God's help. I've got everything I need in my bank account. He could use false teaching to deceive hearts. Self-sufficient attitude to make people think, oh, I can get to heaven on my own. I'm good enough. He could use philosophy or pride or pleasure or business, whatever it may be, to keep people away from Christ. The point is that Jesus, excuse me, Satan blinds people to the truth. He does not want people to see Jesus Christ. He also does not want you and I to do anything with the gospel. He does not want us to tell people about Christ. He does not want people to know that Jesus loves them and died for them and will save them if they just trust him. You know, I think that's why many times Satan tries to keep Christians discouraged, defeated, so that we'll do nothing with the gospel, so we'll stay hidden and covered up. That is why we must reveal the message. 
make sure the gospel is not hidden. We must represent Jesus Christ to the world. If we fail to do that, the gospel is hidden. People continue to be deceived and they'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. We have to make sure by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we act, that we are living reflections of Jesus Christ. Can other people see Jesus in you? Can they see him in me? Can they see him in our life? Do they see a difference in our life? Or are we covering up and hiding the gospel? Will the people around us remain blind and lost because we don't do anything with the gospel? You know, as we reveal the message, what is the message? Well, verse number five tells us, it says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. It says we preach not ourselves. You know, telling people about Christ and inviting people to church, it's not about promoting us. We don't serve the Lord to gain attention from other people. Look at how spiritual I am because of what I do for God. That's not what it's about. It says we preach not ourselves. We have nothing to do with it. We're just the messenger. It says we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. So it brings the question, does our life promote Christ or does our life take attention away from Christ? Do our words and our actions point people to Jesus Christ? That should be the goal. Verse five again, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. You know, the message of the gospel is shown by serving others. Paul was demonstrating his heart for service. He was willing to serve others as he served the Lord. Uh, Paul realized that serving others advances the cause of Christ. And when we serve other people for Jesus' sake, it is serving the Lord. When we use the abilities and the talents that we have to serve others, we do it for Jesus' sake. That is a way that we can demonstrate God's love to other people. Ministry and serving God, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about others. It's not about us. Notice in verse 5, it says we do these things for Jesus' sake. That's the motivation. That's the reason. That's the driving force behind doing something for God. It's for his sake. You know, Jesus has done some things for our sake. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that uh, ye through his poverty might be rich. That verse simply speaks of how Jesus left everything he had in heaven and he came to this earth to become like us and die for us. It was for our sake so we could know him. What can we do for his sake to show our gratitude for his great love? We can serve God. We can serve others. We can recognize some kind of ministry that we can do. We can reveal the message by how we live. (coughs) Excuse me. Why should we do all these things? Verse number six says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who created the world shined the light of the gospel into your heart and into mine. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, we accepted that light. He saved us, and we should serve him because he gave us the light. We must recognize our ministry reveal our message to a world that needs Christ. But as we do that, number three, we must rely on God's mercy. Rely on God's mercy. We need God's mercy to enable us to preach the message. We need God's mercy to help us do the ministry 
that God has given us to do. Notice again verse number one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have to have God's help to faithfully serve God. We can't do it on our own. You know, we can't even live the Christian life successfully on our own. We try to. What happens? We fail, (laughs) we get discouraged, and we give up. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, we can't take the message and do the ministry that God has for us without God's help either. God's mercy is what helps us to keep going even when it's difficult at times to serve him. When the ministry that God's given us is hard, when people don't want to listen to the message, that's when we need God's mercy. Human effort only gets us so far. Determination only gets us so far. But God's grace, God's mercy is what helps us to keep serving him. It's only the grace, the enablement of the Holy Spirit in us that we can do that. It's not always easy to serve God, is it? You've had a super busy, busy week and things have just fallen out of place and we might not always feel like serving God when we have a week like that. Uh, when, we, when we're facing some kind of difficult situation in our personal life, we don't always feel like serving God. But we can be faithful in serving Him. We can be faithful in serving others if we depend on the mercy and the grace of God. We have received mercy, it says, so we don't have to faint. The rest of this chapter talks about how Paul did that. He served the Lord for a lifetime. It was because he learned to rely on the mercy of God. We're just going to quickly read some of it. Uh, verse number 7. We have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel in earthen vessels, that's us, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure of the gospel is inside of us, an imperfect, flawed vessel. But when we let God use us to take the gospel to other people, the, the excellency of his power is seen instead of us being seen. Verse number eight talks about the problems he faced. We are troubled on every side. You ever felt like that? troubled on every side, but he says, we're not, we're not distressed. We are perplexed. We don't know what to do, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. In Paul's experience, he endured a lot of problems, but it was God's mercy who kept him going. Uh, the, the message of the gospel had to be preached. The work of the ministry had to be completed, and it was God's mercy that carried him through. How did Paul learn to rely on that? Skip down to verse number 16. It says, for which cause we faint not. We've heard that before, haven't we? We faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What is the cause it talks about? The cause is the sake of the gospel. The cause is God's glory in verse number 15. That is the cause for which we should not faint. And he says, for that cause, we faint not. We don't lose heart is what it means. We're not going to give up. We're not going to throw in the towel and just quit. Paul said, I'm not going to lose heart and faint, not just because he was determined to do something. It was the mercy of God that helped him to not faint. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been having problems with my voice the last few weeks. <clears throat> he said, our outward man perish. The difficulties that Paul faced as he served God were real problems, physical problems, emotional pain, mental distress. 
And those things took their toll on him, but he said, we're not going to lose heart. We're not going to give up. He said, our outward man perished, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Paul learned to live by faith one day at a time. Every day might have brought a new problem, but every day also brought a new supply of God's grace, God's help, God's mercy. God's mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. That's why he could keep going. He waited on the Lord and his strength would be renewed like the eagle. He could sing in the middle of the night when he was bound in prison because of God's mercy. He could get back up and keep preaching after being mobbed because of God's mercy. He could keep going from place to place preaching the gospel when angry crowds ran him out of town because of God's mercy. He could deal with his daily problems and not lose heart because of God's mercy. You know, that's how you and I can face the circumstances of life today and not give up, not faint, not throw in the towel, not quit because of God's mercy. That's how we can serve God and serve others and not give up, not faint because of God's mercy. Because the inward man can be renewed day by day. You know, the difficulties were still there as he relied on God's mercy, but he learned to focus on God instead of looking at the problems. Verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, you read through the Gospels. Thank you very much. you read through the Bible about all the things that Paul endured in his ministry, you know, if those things happened to us, we wouldn't call them a light affliction, would we? But he did. Because he was looking at God instead of looking at the problems. The, The problems were a light affliction. They worked against him, but he said, you know, they're but for a moment. But the glory of heaven is eternal. If you take the weight of our light afflictions and put it on one side of a scale... And you put the eternal weight, as the verse says, the eternal weight of glory, put that on the other side of a scale. There's just no comparison. If we can learn to measure our problems in comparison to eternity, the problems are really insignificant. That's how we can view life when our inner man is renewed by the mercy of God. Verse 18 adds to that perspective. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, But at the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporal. They're just temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. The things that we see around us, earthly, physical problems and difficulties. But Paul said, you know what? I'm not going to look at those things anymore. I'm going to look beyond that. I'm going to look to the eternal. I'm going to look to the God who's in control of those things. And by faith, he learned to do that. In fact, in just a few verses later in chapter 5 and verse number 7, Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. If Paul had been looking at the problems around him and trying to figure out now, how can I fix this and how can I get out of this? He would have been walking by sight. But he learned to look at God instead of the problem and he learned to walk by faith. That's because he renewed the inward man day by day. That's because he learned to rely on the mercy of God. Paul could continue in a lifetime of ministry because of God's mercy. He could keep revealing the message 
because of God's mercy. You know, the day and age in which we live is no friend to Christianity. You look around at our world today, and the only conclusion we can come to is that time must be short. Jesus must be coming soon. But until he comes, we have something we're supposed to do for him. There are over 8 billion people alive today in the world. There are, Canada just passed 40 million for the first time just a month or two ago in population. 8 billion people alive today. I can't even understand a number that big, but they need to hear the gospel. Some of them live right here in your town. Some of them live in my town. And if we are going to do something to help reach them, if we're going to do something to help reach just one person, we must recognize our ministry. We can all do something to serve God. We ought to be looking for what we can do every day to minister and serve God and serve others. As we do that, we must reveal the message. God's given us the, the message of the gospel, and if we do nothing with it, it's hidden from them, they're lost. But as we do the ministry, as we share the message, we need to learn to rely on God's mercy. Amen. It's God who enables what we do. We don't have to faint. We don't have to give up and throw in the towel and quit. But we need to be renewed, strengthened, enabled by the mercy of God. Paul's life was full of those constant problems and persecutions and difficulties as he served the Lord. And his outward man was perishing, but he said, you know, God will help me not to faint. And that's the attitude we need to have. God will help me not to faint, not to stop, not to give up. I can tell you there have been many times on the mission field when we felt worn down and exhausted, faint perhaps, but what helps us to keep going for the Lord it's only his mercy, his strength, his enabling, the Holy Spirit, the encouragement of the word of God. And God promises to be an unfailing resource of his power to those who trust him. Maybe today you realize, you know what? There is something I can do for God. Start doing it. Just do it. Because it's a ministry. It's something you can do to, to point other people to Christ, whatever that may be. Uh, maybe a young person here or, or anyone, and maybe you sense God's calling on your life to serve him full time, and that would be an amazing thing if you would give yourself to that. There's such a need around the world. But whether God wants you to serve him full time or be a full time Christian and live for him here where you live, whatever the case may be, God has a ministry for everyone. God has a message for every one of us to share with someone else. Maybe you've been serving the Lord for many years and you've grown weary in well-doing. That happens. But we have to learn to rely on the mercy of God. He gives us help. His grace, his strength. Maybe you have a neighbor or a friend and the gospel's been hidden to them. And you've never really taken the gospel to them and shared the love of Christ with them. God's mercy helps us to do that too. It gives God's mercy helps us to know what to say to them, gives us an opportunity to talk to them, helps us, and we can rely on God's mercy. And he will help us if we take this step of faith and start talking to them. God can use each one of us to point other people to Christ. We just have to make ourselves available to him and rely on his mercy as we do his work. Let's close in a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this uh, text, and Lord, what a great challenge it gives us that 
We can all have a ministry of some kind and do something for you. <clears throat> and no matter what we may do vocationally in our life, Lord, we know that you want all of us to be faithful to you so that our testimony can point other people to Christ. Help us understand that we either reveal the message of the gospel or cover it up by how we talk and how we live every single day. Help us to understand as we do your work and, and try to share your word that we need your mercy. We need your help. We can't do it in our own strength. And help us to depend upon you for your help as we do your work. And Lord, we know it's such a great privilege to serve you. Help us to just make ourselves available each and every day to what you have for us so that we can point more people to Christ. Please continue to use us to do that, and uh, we'll give you the, the praise and glory and honor for that. Thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.